Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Mike McGowan. So fun. Hey, by the way, how many of you ever seen Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood? Put your hand up in the air. Oh, good. Yeah, that's a ton of people. Fantastic. Good. Yeah, I watched that show all the time as a kid. In fact, I even asked uh, all the 20-somethings that you know work in our office, like, hey, how many of you guys have ever seen this show? And ironically, pretty amazingly, all of them had seen it at some point in their life. Great, 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 great TV show. And one of the things that Mr. Rogers always used on a show was hand puppets, a lot like these puppets here. In fact, the puppet that I remember the most was a puppet called King Friday the Eighth, right? Here he is. This is what King Friday the Eighth, that was the puppet that I remembered the most and loved the most from the show. But that's actually not Mr. Rogers' most famous puppet. The most famous puppet that Mr. Rogers ever used on a show was a little puppet tiger, right? And the tiger's name was Daniel. And uh, it got its name because Mr. Rogers was given this puppet by a neighbor named, when he was a kid, and the neighbor's name was Mrs. Daniel. So he named the puppet after her, which, by the way, is how the TV spinoff of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, Daniel Tiger, got its name, right? Now, what a lot of people don't know about Mr. Rogers is that Mr. Rogers was a really, really lonely kid growing up. And so he would often retreat into a little make-believe world in his mind, and the character that he used while he was alone to help entertain himself the most was his puppet tiger, Daniel. So is it any wonder that one of the central themes of the show was to teach kids how to accept other kids so that they wouldn't be so lonely like Mr. Rogers was growing up? You know, I think about us. People in our community are really lonely. Even though we live in the fourth largest city in America, even though there are people crowded together at the malls, even though there are large groups of people everywhere, our restaurants are packed, our malls are overcrowded, even our churches are big, people are more alone than they've ever been before. We pull into our garages after work, close the door, and barely know the people that live next to us. And although we're connected to hundreds of people on social media, social media is good for keeping up with people, but it's not good for making friends with people. So, today and for the next five weeks, our Heavenly Father is going to show us how we can be good neighbors, how we can find good neighbors, and how we can cultivate meaningful friendships with our neighbors. Because here's the deal. Our Heavenly Father, he, he wants us to have meaningful connections with other people. In fact, the truth is, is God has already surrounded us with people that he wants to connect us with, and he wants them to connect with us. And he has already, already given them some common experiences and some commonalities with us. He's just waiting for us to reach out to them and form those initial connections. And by the way, God says that 
God's definition of a neighbor extends way past just the people that live next door. God's definition of a neighbor is so much broader than that. So by the time we get to the end of this series, you will have met some new neighbors and you'll have had the chance to already begin to cultivate a meaningful friendship with some of these people, okay? Um, You know, after my queen and I, um, after we, you know, had kids, while they were infants, we, we found ourselves at a place where we were pretty lonely. I mean, we just, we, we felt isolated. And, you know, when kids are young, it just has a way of doing that. Because when, after our kids were born, um, we, we just didn't go out as much. We didn't have people over to the house as much. And look, the truth is, we were tired all the time. So, and having little kids just tends to isolate you. And so we were at a place where, like, we were pretty lonely. Well, I remember one day, uh, I was at the dining room window, and I, I think I was probably holding one of the kids. I, I don't really remember if I was or not. But I remember what happened. I remember I looked out the window, and walking down the street was another young family and the dad was towing a wagon, had two little kids inside the wagon. And I looked at them and I thought, well, they look like fun people. I, I, <laughs> and I thought, I'll bet they've got tons of friends. I wonder if they'd want to be our friend. I know, it sounds like kind of like an insecure eighth grader. But you know what? When you're lonely, you can become a little insecure, okay? So, I mean, it's just, so, so I'm a little embarrassed to tell you what I did next um, because... Amy didn't even know this until last service. So uh, here's, here's what I did. Like the next day, I kind of stayed at the dining room window until I, could, until I saw them walking down the street. And when I saw them walking down the street, I timed it so I walked out the front door and got to the mailbox at the same time that they were going to cross and uh, so I pretended, I pretended like I was going to check the mail, and they came by, and I was like, oh, hey, great night for a walk, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, sure is. And, you know, so we just kind of started talking. I introduced myself. We started to visit a little bit. I found out they lived literally 100 yards down the street, and I never knew. Incredible. And so, you know, we talked for a little while, and when we got near the end of the conversation, here is what they said to me. They said, you are the first neighbor that said anything to us. We don't have any friends in this neighborhood, and we were wondering if we were ever gonna make any. And in my heart, I was thinking, me too. <laughs> but I, I, like, I just played it cool. So anyway. Um, <laughs> so anyway, they, our families became friends. In fact, we even, for a period of a year or so, we would take their kids to small groups, kids' small groups here at the park. And they attended, you know, Parkway, you know, for a little while. But then, you know, unfortunately, after a couple of years, they ended up moving away. But here's my point. Sometimes we think we're the only ones. Sometimes we think we are the only ones who feel like we do. But we're not. There are tons of other people all around us that feel the very same way. And God has put those people all around us, and the truth is, they'll make great neighbors. They'll make great friends. And our Heavenly Father 
already has a plan to use us to connect with them and them with us. And today we're going to find out what that plan is. And we find out what that plan is through one of the most famous people in the entire Bible, a guy named David, as in King David, as in the same guy who slew the giant Goliath with a slingshot and a stone. And it's through what we learn from David that God's going to teach us today about how to make neighbors and friends. Because look, here's the deal. David, although he became Israel's greatest king, there was a period in his time, in in his life, when David was not well-liked at all. In fact, David was an outcast for a period of time. And during this period of time, David had no friends. He was completely isolated. He was all alone. And honestly, I feel like he was on the edge of depression. And so it's at this time in his life that David is being hunted by King Saul, even though David had never done anything to Saul. He's being hunted by King Saul. And so David flees to the desert and goes to sit and goes sits in a cave. And he just sits there. And while he's there, God does the most incredible thing. Something that you would never expect. Something that David never saw coming. God brought him some friends. How? Like, how did God bring him these friends? And... What does God use to bring people together as friends? And if God did it for David, could he do it for us? And how could God do it for us? So pull out your message notes. Let's start looking at it. Let's start looking at the things that God uses to bring people together as friends. Here's the first thing God uses. I want you to write this down. God uses a common adversary. God uses a common adversary. Adversary. Now look, this morning, we're only going to look at two verses in the Bible. Only two. And God's going to show us through these two verses the things that he uses to bring people together. The first is a common adversary. So let's read our two verses. Here we go. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. I want you to circle the word escaped. It's important for our first point today. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. 400. Now, I had to circle the word escape because David had to escape because, like I said before, he was being hunted by King Saul. David had never done anything to King Saul. He had never done anything to deserve what Saul was was trying to do is Saul was trying to kill him. And he was trying to kill him because he was insanely jealous of David. And so David had to escape. And likewise, these other 400 people had an adversarial relationship with King Saul just like David did. Now, we don't know the background of their debt or their distress or their discontent with how Saul was running the country. We just know that they were in an adversary relationship with Saul. And so these 400 guys shared a common adversary with David, and God used that common adversary to bring them together. You know what? God does the very same thing with us. 
He uses common adversaries to bring us together with other people. Now look, I mean, it doesn't have to you know, be anything so dramatic, you know, like political rebellion, all right? In fact, God often uses things that are way more benign to bring us together with other people. I mean, it could be something like being a part of the same team and we're going against our chief rival. It could be something like that. God can use that sort of adversary to bring us together. And he uses, look, he uses other adversarial things to bring us together. Like cancer, a flood, debt, office politics, kicking an addiction, even trying to lose weight. When we're fighting a common enemy with other people, God used that to bring us together. Look, that's why guys who have been in military combat together form an almost unbreakable bond because they've locked arms and they've stood toe-to-toe together against a common adversary. They have risked for one another. They've become a band of brothers. I'm telling you, those bonds are almost unbreakable because they faced a common adversary. And the same is true for us. And when we face common adversaries, it can, God can use that to bond us together. And look, and I know some of these adversaries, like, they don't sound very spiritual. I get that. But God still uses these non-spiritual adversaries to bring us together. And he uses them to bring us together because we can say, you know what? We have fought against this thing alongside one another. We know what it feels like to fight the same kind of fight. Because you can be there for them, and they can be there for you, and I'm telling you, God used that to bring us together. Okay? Now, here's the second thing that God uses to bring people together. Write this one down. God also uses a common experience. He uses a common experience. And um, the same two verses say this. It says, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were, and I want you to underline this part, in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their leader. About 400 men were with him. See, what I want you to see is that all of these people, they shared a common experience, okay? Like they were going through something very similar and it's their common experience that God used to bring them together because when they heard that David was having the same kind of experience that they were having, they rallied around him. They went and found David and they became fast friends with him. Now, I know that part of this sounds pretty similar to the common adversary, but there is a difference because here's the deal. While every common adversary is also a common experience, Not every common experience is also a common adversary. For instance, a common experience might just simply be something like being on the same team together or being in the same high school band together or people who are raising kids that are similar in age or being a part of a group that's running a marathon together or moving to a new town, changing schools, changing jobs. 
Gra- maybe, maybe it's just simply graduating from the same high school or graduating from the same university. Look, that's why when I'm driving down the road and I see somebody that's got a Baylor sticker on their car, I'm like, that's great. And I almost want to whisper out loud, sick of bears, you know? Because I know what they've experienced. They have been through the same thing that I've been through. Their experience is my experience. So we have a shared experience together, even though I don't know them yet. Does that make sense? And so God uses these common experiences to bring us together. Because it gives us something to talk about. It gives us a chance to say to them, I know what it's like to go through what you've gone through. We have that shared experience together because we've been there it's a it's a common experience and god has put those people around us and he can use that common experience to bring us together with those people okay all right now there's a third thing that god uses and then we're going to talk about how god brings us together so here's the third thing god uses number three is this this is a common goal he uses a common goal again let's look at our same verses David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around them, and he became their leader. I want you to put a box around the word leader. About 400 men were with him. So the Bible says that David became their leader. Now, why do you think David became their leader as opposed to like, maybe one of the other 400 guys being the leader? Well, the reason is, is because David had already been anointed to become the next king after Saul. And the men knew it. And so when they came to David, they rallied around him to help achieve the common goal of making him the next king. And the Bible's filled with stories about how these guys fought for David and how they took risks for David. And many of these men later on would become, you know, David's brothers in arms. They would become the leaders of his future army. Some of them would even become known as David's mighty men. But the point is, they shared a common goal. And look, when when we share a common goal with someone, God uses it to bring us together. And that common goal can be anything. It could be You know, something simple like just making it through a hard workout class together. Or maybe making it through a hard academic class together. Or maybe it could be coming together as a group so that we can finish a project at work. Maybe it's, you know, a group of us putting on a big event. Or meeting a deadline. Or actually finishing Whole30 you know, or maybe it's a group of parents come together as a support group for kids who are addicted to Fortnite. You know, I mean, it, it could be anything, but we have a common goal and God uses it to bring us together as friends. Okay. So then the question becomes how, how does God bring us together with all these people that have these shared common things, but we don't know who they are. How does God bring us together? Well, the way, one key way that God would bring us together is that we have to all fight against our common enemy and our common enemy is anything that isolates us and literally it could it could be anything and there's lots of things that isolate people but there's one thing that over the last 10 years has isolated more people than anything else you know what that one thing is 
Yep. It's this right here. It's a cell phone. Now look, this in and of itself, this is not bad. This is not evil, okay? Like, I love my cell phone, right? <laughs> and I know many of you do too. And so I'm not saying that this is bad, but here's what I recently saw. I went to a high school football stadium, and as I was walking out and I was looking for a place to sit, I mean, literally, had to be at least four out of five adults there were just doing this. And none of them were talking to each other. They were isolated because of their cell phone. Now again, this in and of itself is not bad. Social media in and of itself is not bad, okay? Social media is really good for keeping up with friends, but it's not good for making friends. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do. I want you to write this down. I want you to take the disconnect challenge. Take the disconnect challenge. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to mark through the letters D-I-S. Mark through the dis in disconnect. I want you to take the disconnect challenge because, now hold on, don't freak out, all right? I'm not, I'm not gonna tell you just go throw your cell phone in the trash. That'd be ridiculous, nobody's gonna do it. I'm not throwing my cell phone in the trash. That's not what the disconnect challenge is. Here's the challenge. For the next five weeks, for the, for the duration of this message series, for the next five weeks, whenever you are in public or at the dinner table, leave your cell phone in your pocket. For the next five weeks, when you're in public or at the dinner table, just leave your cell phone in your pocket and use that as an opportunity that our Heavenly Father gives you to get to know the people that are on your right and on your left and stay current with the people at your table. That's the disconnect challenge. Look, and I know, you're like, holy cow, that seems like the craziest thing. I don't know that I could make it without my cell phone. Well, you know what? Our student ministry this last year on student trips took up all the cell phones of all the high school kids. And I want you to see what happened. Let's roll this video. For about the last five or six years when we go on trips, uh, during free time and, and during time in their dorms, kids would never interact with one another. I mean, they would just look down the whole time and uh, play on their phones. They would be playing games, looking at social media, texting, but they were not interacting with one another. So about a year ago, the Lord spoke to us and said, hey, on the youth trips, I want the kids to have no cell phone access. It wasn't a popular decision amongst teenagers or parents, um, but what we've noticed is um, just a time where they're able to focus on each other, they're able to build community and really know each other, not know each other through social media or through texting, but know each other talking face to face. Like I remember like whenever like you would, like when they didn't have their phones, everybody was like super negative and like, where's my phone, I want my phone. And then when everybody got their phones, like nobody talked like at all. Like I talked to Paige and like maybe one of their person because everybody was like glued to their screen because like they had it for a minimal time. I was like, this is ridiculous. I saw a few people that were just distraught uh, without their phones, like the very first day. On day one, it really was, it was miserable. 
Um, the students were moping around. They were having withdrawals. I mean, it Tears, was wailing, gnashing of teeth. Yeah. Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> we actually had to teach the students how to use sunscreen because they'd been indoors for so long. But by the second day, our students came alive. Yeah, I felt like I really got to like, Paige and I, like we were like friends before, but we weren't like super close just because like we didn't have classes the year before and like we just like saw each other at church. I was brand new and that was, Fusion was my first mm -hmm. ever um, church camp and I just had a great time like getting to know her and getting closer. Yeah, so it helped me like, even though I knew Paige, like without my phone, like I got to know her better. Now that we built the habit, at camp where they are not on their phones all the time and they're actually opening their Bibles, they're writing something down in their journal about praying, all that kind of stuff. Um, they now take that home and now I see uh, students who have journals, who carry journals, that actually carry a Bible around with them. Um, being able to have those kind of things apart from the phone. It helped them engage God better. Yeah, I mean, it really did. I mean, throughout the weekend, a lot of times, the distractions of what's going on back home or how they look on Instagram or, or what's up or what's new and all that kind of stuff distracted them from being able to get close to God, too. Yeah, your phones will always be there, but the ones around you won't. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really well put. Let it go. <laughs> I think for them, it, it allowed them to realize that there was something better out there. And for a lot of them, they brought that back home. They brought those relationships back home. When they walk into youth group, uh, they put their phones down and they begin to communicate with these people that they built relationships with at camp. So happy for our teenagers. Look, and here's the deal. If teenagers can do it, you can do it. Because look, the point of the disconnect challenge is not just simply to disconnect. It's so that you can also connect with the people that are around you. That's the point. Because look, God has already placed people all around you that have a common adversary, a common experience, that are trying to achieve a common goal. You just don't know who they are yet. And so God wants you to disconnect from the things that isolate you so that you can connect with the people that are around you. And here's the cool thing. If you're a Christ follower, you actually already have all three of these same things in common with every other person that is a Christ follower. Because as Christ followers, get this, we all face a common adversary, the devil, who wants nothing more than to destroy our lives and fill them with pain and hurt and evil. We also have a common experience. Because look, we go to church together. We're in small group together. We've experienced God's forgiveness and his love together. We also share a common goal of trying to follow Jesus as best we can with our lives. And so, get this. It is these same three things that made the early church literally an unstoppable force. God used these three things to bring people together regardless of background, race, or economic class. And he used them literally to turn the world on its ear. God wants to do the very same thing with us. He wants the church today to become an unstoppable force in the community. And he wants to use these same three things to bring us together regardless of background, race, or economic class. But in order to do that, we have to take the first step to connect. And we've got to connect with the people that are around us. And the truth is, we also have to connect with God. 
And you connect with God by being a part of a church. So if you're not part of a church, be a part of a church, whether it's this one or another one, but be a part of a church. And you also connect with God by connecting with his son, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus died on a cross so that his death could pay the price for your sins, so he could purchase your forgiveness. So in order to receive his forgiveness, you have to ask for it. And you ask for it by praying and asking Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you and commit to follow him. Have you ever done that before? If you've never, look, if you've never prayed that prayer and you're ready to pray that kind of a prayer today, there's a sample prayer. It's inside your message notes. I want you to take a minute and I want you to pray that prayer right now, okay? Because look, here's the thing. There's so many people in our community that are lonely. There's even some of us that are lonely. Look, and, and just like Mr. Rogers, there are people that feel isolated. But God has already placed people all around us that would be great friends and great neighbors that already share a common adversary, a common experience, or a common goal with us. Our Heavenly Father is just waiting for us to connect with Him and then connect with them. And when we do, I'm telling you, God will use it to change their lives and to change ours. So make a commitment to disconnect so that you can connect. To bow your head, close your eyes. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you that you can use a simple TV show to illustrate such powerful biblical truth. And I pray for every person that's listening today that's lonely, that would desire to have more friends, to be more connected. Lord, that through this entire series that you would provide those friends, you would help people reach out to them, and you would help us to reach out to people in our community who are lonely and without you, and that you would use us in amazing ways to literally become an unstoppable force in our community, and you would use us to change their lives and ours. And so I ask, Father, that you would help us, Lord, to disconnect so that we can connect with you and with other people. And bring us back next week so that we can hear more of what you want to say to us. And I ask you to do this. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app, for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.